Cool. Good morning. Yes, what an incredible morning already. We could almost go home already. I'm like, oh God, you pulled in, which is, um, <clears throat> which is what, always our biggest prayer. Does the sound okay? Do I sound too loud? Is it okay? Cool. Nate said I'm fine, so then that's good. Okay, awesome. So I am super, super excited to be back home, to be here. Um, it's been an absolute roller coaster of a couple of months. Um, uh, for those of you that don't know, um, Hannes was a guy that was leading this congregation, and he went on an outreach to Australia, Philippines, and uh, New Zealand. During that time, I was leading it, leading, leading this congregation, just overseeing, not really, you know, like, but just going, okay, Lord, you know, he's coming back, and it's going to be amazing. And while he was there, uh, the Lord had different plans, and uh, the Lord actually gave me a dream two weeks into leading, which I'll come to a little bit later. And long story short, come, what was it, the end of November, end of November, Hannes is moving to Mossel Bay, and um, he's doing really well. I had a long chat with him yesterday. God's busy doing incredible stuff there. Um, it just, yeah, incredibly how God's using him. And we, my wife and I, were taking over this congregation to lead this church which has been something the Lord has been talking to me about for the last 20 years, so which I will um, elaborate a little bit later as well. And, um, but just incredible to see the ways of God and the plans of God. So going, I, I said to the guys, cool, I'm leading. I'm going on holiday. I'll see you guys next year. <laughs> and part of me going on holiday was I needed a really good break because of um, the business that I'm involved in. And um, as well as on the 1st of January, I jumped on a flight and I went to America for three weeks to hand over one of the businesses that I'm involved with in America to a, another person that's going to run that. Um, the Lord actually told me a while back to start freeing up time. And it's been incredible, my partner in the business and myself, how the Lord has been talking to us on how that would look, not even knowing that I was going to lead this congregation. So God goes ahead of us. God goes ahead of us, and he's always one step ahead. It sometimes feels like God can take a long time to do something suddenly. Have you experienced that? You know, it takes a long time, and then suddenly something happens. And in that long time, it's sometimes a bit tough, eh? So, yeah, so just, um, yeah, super stoked. America was incredible. Um, I was very privileged after my trip in Florida to go over to the churches in, uh, which is in San Clemente, Orange County, California, um, and Newport. And just to see what God is busy doing there is, it's actually, it's like blows your mind. It's people are getting saved. People are coming to church. There are shifts and changes and God building his church. You know, the Bible says, unless God builds his church, the laborers, which is us, we're basically doing what we're doing in vain. It doesn't matter what we do because it's God's church. All of this is his. This, you belong to him. I belong to him. We belong to him. But God uses us to build his church. And unless he builds it and we are very careful to follow him, what are we doing? We're just playing games, coming on a Sunday, singing a couple of songs, praying for one another. But his church isn't advancing for what he wants us to do and to get into um, one last little story before I'd let you guys just know what I'm getting into my preach. Um, I had this moment in America. Um, I woke up this one morning 
And um, as I woke up, all of a sudden, in my heart, I didn't recognize my own heart because I was so excited to get back here. So take a couple of years back, um, Ivan and I and Nate, we were in America together, what is it, about two, three years ago, two years ago? And something in me was just, God, I love this place. I love these people. Like, Lord, are you calling us here? Chatted to my wife. We've been chatting to Andrew. It's like, what do you think? You know, is God maybe calling us to America to help build his church there? And Andrew goes, yeah, I could see it. I'm like, mm. but what I've learned is if your elder, if those over you in the faith goes, hmm, then it's a no. <laughs> I've just learned that. Um, that if they go, yeah, it could be, but, and then I go, nope, it's not it. It's not the right time of God. But this thing was still in my heart the whole time, going, Lord, what is it? And then coming here, you know, leading this church, I woke up the one morning in, in uh, Newport Beach, and as I woke up, my heart shifted completely. I was like, and I don't mean this, but I was like, I don't actually care what's going on here. I just want to get back to Malkbos because I am so excited to build and to do what God wants me to do here. And I can't explain it otherwise than just going like, Lord, I don't recognize this. It was such a desire in me for so long and a godly desire, not something I was grasping at, not something, but just weighing up, going, God, my life, our lives, anytime, any place, anywhere, whatever you want. Is it America? Is it not America? Then leading here. And it's just almost all I can say is God brought a settledness in me. Like just going, this is where I want you to be. And I know that I know that I know this is where God wants me to be. So, so yeah, I wanted to share that just because we are super excited. I couldn't wait. After that morning, I was like, we still had a church camp and it was incredible things that God, I was just like counting the days. I want to get back to South Africa. Can I get on a plane? Because, you know, God is busy building his church and not just in America, not just here, but around the world. And um, get your passports ready. I told my wife, I said, go get the kids' passports ready, get visas, whatever it is. God's going to take us places this year. And for each one of us, I really am excited to see what God's going to do. But this morning, I want to I talk to us, my preachers, about inheriting the land. And what does a people look like that does inherit the land? You know that God has called us to inherit the land? And physically, there's land that God gives us. Like, you know, one of my favorite scriptures, Uncle Reggie always like smiles when I say this because I think it's his as well, is in Acts 17 where it says, The Lord determines the time and place for each one to live so that perhaps they may find him and walk in his ways. And God has given us land. It's not by chance that you're living in Melkbos, that you are here for a time as this, in, at this place. It's, sometimes it's for ourselves that we find God with those amongst us, but more often it's also for us to reach out and bring many into the kingdom of God. Because Matthew 28 verse 18, go into all the nations, preach the gospel, Teach guys how to obey my word. Baptize them in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's what we're called to do. So we've got land to inherit. And then in our own lives, we've got land to inherit. You know, the metaphor, if we look at this thing, you know that you've got a piece of land, and that land is your heart. It's your life that you've got to inherit, that you've got to take ground on. And how do you do that? How do you take more of what God has for you into your life? 
And this morning, I want to look at that. I want to look at inheriting the land and what, do, what does the people look like? What do you need to look like to inherit, sorry, to inherit the land? So Psalm 37, if we can turn to Psalm 37 quickly, and I'm just going to pop up, um, there's five scriptures. Psalm 37 is a beautiful psalm. If you've got time tomorrow morning in your quiet time, go read the whole psalm of the whole Psalm 37. It speaks about God being with his people and taking his, his you know, he's basically he's our savior. It's, it's a beautiful psalm. But I'm going to quickly first read out, I'm just going to read out five scriptures and you'll see the common denominator in all five of those. Psalm 37 verse 9, it says, For the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. Verse 11, But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. Verse 18, The Lord knows the days of the blameless and their heritage will remain forever. Verse 29, The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell upon it forever. And verse 34, wait for the Lord and keep his way, and he will exalt you to inherit the land you will look on when the wicked are cut off. So what's the common denominator through all of those? Inherit the land. So this scripture talks about inheriting the land But also, what does it look like? And we're going to go through all of those waiting on God, the meek, the blameless, the righteous, and the blessed by God. What does that mean? I want to break that down for us. And for me, it's a morning, you know, just to look at that, to go, God, as we start off this year, you've called us to inherit this land. You've called us to take ground in Melbourne specifically. And what it, how do we position ourselves for you to enable us to take the land? And on the flip side, in your own life this morning, I trust to give you some keys that you go, okay, Lord, how do I position myself to take land in my own heart and in my own life so I can move on with God? So firstly, inherit the land. We need to understand what this phrase means, inherit the land. Um, We see this phrase about 40 times in the Old Testament, um, and it always speaks about possessing or occupying, walking into, okay, Um, taking the land or seizing the land. So you can get the scripture. It's not just this, you know, because our minds, when it comes to inherit, what, what is normally your thing when you think of, I've got an inheritance? Money. Someone died, and I get something for free. Okay, yeah, surfboards. Who wants to inherit all Ivan surfboards, you know? So, but that's not, this word inherit means possess, seize, take, walk into, conquer, overcome. That's the word. It's not a, it's not a sit down and... someone died and I get something for free kind of word. It's an active word. It's a word that we, we we play a part in inheriting the land. So if we look at, at just what this word, the Hebrew word, it, it's, it's Yaresh. So I'm not, I'm not Hebrew, so I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it correct, but it's, it's the word is Yaresh, and it basically means possess, occupy, seize, expel and drive out. So you start seeing the picture. 
okay, of what it means. So who, immediately if you think of that, who, who of you thought of Israel? All of us, eh? Israel, go and inherit the land that I've given you. So quickly want to turn to Genesis 15 verse 7. And this is the time, this is where, where God actually meets with Abraham for the first time. Not Abraham, Abram. What's the, word? What's the first one? Abram. Yeah, that one. Okay, not the second one, the first one. And he said, I'm the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to, to give you this land to possess. So it's incredible. God gives him the land, but he says, I'm giving it to you to possess. You still have to take it. You still have to take that first step and get into it and possess the land. A little bit further um, in, uh, in Deuteronomy, verse 1 and verse 8. This is, so Israel has gone through the Red Sea. They are Mount Sinai. All the things that have happened there has happened. The God gave them Ten Commandments. And now they're sitting at this place and the Lord is going, okay, you've come through out of Egypt, but now what do I have for you? And then, and we, and Verse 1, verse 8, it says, See, I have set the land before you, God says. Go in and take possession of the land that the Lord swore to your forefathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give to them and to their offspring after them. Verse 21 just says a little bit different, but the same thing. See, the Lord your God has set the land before you. Go up, take possession as the Lord the God of your fathers have told you, do not fear or be dismayed. Isn't that incredible? God gave Abraham, firstly, yes, the land, go and possess it. And then as the Israelites through Moses, gone through the Red Sea, now they're standing and going, okay, where do we go? God says, well, here's the land, possess it. And then we know the story after that where the 10 spies gone in. And they came back, and only Joshua and Caleb had the good report. And then God said, well, none of you are taking this land. I'm giving it to the next generation, which is sad, which is very sad. Because you know that in your life, you could miss out the inheritance that God has for you if you don't possess it. So go and possess. Take possession of. Seize it. Do you see the picture of this? It's almost like a fighting thing, you know? It's like, rah, you know? And, and I'll, I'll come back to that now, but yeah. And for us as, as now, you know, that's Israel. That's Old Testament. That's what God gave them, you know? What about us now? We are Gentiles, saved by grace. You know, the Lord has given us everything. Do we have an inheritance? And what is that inheritance? Have you ever thought of that? I remember a while back here, Ruan actually did an incredible preach about the inheritances of God that he has for us. And um, I'm just going to touch on one or two of them that just to show you in for us today, you've got an inheritance in God. Ephesians 1 verse 11 to 14. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him, who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, when you were saved, when you received the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, 
who is the guarantee of your inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise glory of God. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that, you know, we have got an inheritance, and what does it say there? Until we acquire possession of it. God's given it to us, but we've got to take hold of it and go, God, that's, this is part of mine. So I'm going to tell you a story. When um, it's about, I think it's about eight years now. Um, who remembers when Mike Davies led, led our church? Yeah, yeah. So Mike Davies, he's not here this morning. He just, he was away this weekend on a... Um, training time with potential elders and stuff. So Mike was leading, and I've always had this knowing that God's called me. God's called me for, his, for full-time ministry. I knew it. From, from in school, I've had prophetic words. I've always known it. After school, I went and I did a year of your life at um, the Lighthouse Christian Center where we have our gatherings. I was part of that church there for many years. Um, did a did a year of your life there, became a youth pastor. We saw an incredible move of God where we had up to 4,000 youth. Like it was a revival during that time. I wore a suit and tie every single Sunday as a young guy, Nathan's age about, wore a suit and tie, sweating. I was like, what is this all about? But it was the movement or the, the, the thing we were in. I, um, I basically remember seeing things in the church and questioning it. So I got fired three times while I was working there. Um, the, the, lead, the pastors called me in and go, you can't ask those questions. Like, I'm like, well, I see it in the Bible and this is this. So what is that? You know, I'm not going to say what it is. And um, eventually my heart just grew so cold. I remember the day and I remember the spot. It's funny, every single time we're at the lighthouse, I look at that spot where I stood and I went, God, I love you but I want nothing to do with your church. Because I saw the ugly of it. I saw the not right, the things that they did. And, um, and my journey just went haywire. Eventually got saved again into Josh Jen, which was amazing. And that's a whole story for another time. But just coming in and God starting restoring things in my life. You know, it took a, a, probably, I would say, a period of about five to six years of God just restoring and building things and giving that dream again of his church and seeing church for what it is and the, the beauty of it and what God has called it to be. And this, you know, for us to, to live in it and to, to inherit the things that God has for us. So as Mike was leading, like everybody's like, Bori, God's called you to lead, lead Malkbos. And something in me went, yes, but something was also like, no. And during that time, we went through quite a bit of a crazy financial situation in our own lives. And out of the blue, one day, I got a call from Andrew. And he says, Bori, I believe God wants you to lead Malkbos. Do you want to lead it? And I said, no. I said, no. I was just, I remember standing in my lounge and I went like, God, I don't know how it's going to work. Because, and all of a sudden, all these things started rambling down in my head. What about the finance? What about this? What about that? And I just remember walking away in my own life, possessing, taking possession of the inheritance God has for me. And I know that I know. I missed it. I know it for my life. But God was also still busy working through things in my life. About two, three years ago now, we were in a meeting. Andrew's preaching. I forgot 
that whole thing almost. I knew God, you know, the Lord started wakening things up again in me. And in his preach, Andrew said something. And as he said it, I saw how God was bringing restoration to me. And I, I went to him afterwards. I said, bro, I need to repent because I said no to God. I said no to the Lord calling me, not trusting him, not relying on him. And I said no to you as my leader. Please forgive me. And obviously he forgave me. And I think that moment was a moment where God started, where my heart shifted for the things of the Lord again. Where I could start taking possession. And, and, and the last two to three years has been a journey of that, of this excitement growing in my heart. Not grasping for anything, not trying to get it, but the Lord doing a work in my heart to possess the land that he has actually put aside for me to walk into. So think of your own life. Where have you said no to the things of God? Where have you, where's the moment where you know, ah, I chose this way instead of that way? And God's a God that wants to redeem every single decision. God uses all things for the good for those who love him. You know, according to his purposes. What's that scripture again? Yeah, that's okay, you got that one. So, we take hold of, take possession of. And our inheritance, I'm going to quickly show you this one thing before I go into what, what kind of people do we need to look like. Ephesians 1 verse 15 to 19. It says, for this reason, because I have heard of your faith, Paul's writing to the Ephesian church and he says, for this reason, I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. So that's, that's incredible. He prays that God, that God will give us a spirit that gives us wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Jesus so that we can get to know him more and become more like him. Verse 18, having the eyes of our hearts enlightened. We sang this this morning. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart that I may see you, that I may see your way, see what you have got for me, for, for my life, for my family, for my church. That you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Isn't that incredible? You know that our inheritance, my inheritance lies here in each and every one of you. It's not my own thing, because we are body, we are one. I won't find my inheritance outside of this. You can't find what God wants for your life outside of this. It's the ways of God. Oh, God, open the eyes of our heart that we will see how do we walk in the inheritance that God has for us, and knowing that your inheritance is in the saints. How crazy is that? Now you understand why Jesus prayed, God, make us one as you and I are one, that they will become one, that I'm the head, they're the body, we work together, unless God builds the house. Lord, build your house, let's co-labor with you. It's this oneness that's in between us, it's in the saints, it's us together. Last scripture, just on inheritance, and um, uh, Hebrews 6 verse 12, it says, uh, through, uh, do you have that one? 
Hebrews 6 and verse 12. Okay, yeah. So that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. You know how you're going to inherit promises? Faith, patience. It's faith and patience. God takes a long time to do something suddenly. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And I, just when I was reading that, I was, you know, Deuteronomy 1 verse 22, it says, Do not be afraid or dismayed before they take, was taking possession of the land. Look at the opposite here. The opposite of fear is faith. And the opposite of being dismayed, which is like, oh, I don't know what to do. It's like, you, you know, it's that patience, knowing, trusting that God is God and that he does all things for the good. So I want to quickly jump just into what, are, what does it look like for us? What kind of people inherit the land? You guys still with me? You're good. Okay. What does it look like, us inheriting the land? That first scripture, verse 9, Psalm 37, verse 9, it says, those who wait on the Lord shall inherit the land. And then in verse 7, it says, be still before the Lord and wait patiently and wait for the Lord and keep his ways and he will exalt you to inherit the land, verse 34. So what's the, one of the first things? It's almost, it's almost opposite of what I've just been saying, isn't it? Those who wait on the Lord will inherit the land. But we've got to possess it. So we've got to understand what this word wait means. This word wait in the Hebrew is kavan. And it means to expect, to look to, and to tarry. Who of you have got a dog? Who's got a dog? James has got a dog. Okay. Who of you have trained your dog to sit and wait before you go for a walk? What does that dog look like? What is the facial expression on that dog before they go for a walk? And they're waiting. And they're sitting there looking expectantly. Hey, shaking like it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Hey, that is the meaning of wait on the Lord. It's expectantly waiting. It's knowing, God, you're going to do something. I don't know when it's going to happen, but I wait on you. I'm not going to make it happen in my own strength. I'm going to just wait and wait. And then the suddenly of God kicks in. That's that picture of wait on the Lord. And if we look at a couple of scriptures... Just on waiting on the Lord, it's, um, and I'll, I'll bring this just, you know, to show you how God responds to those who wait on him. And have you ever wondered why? Why does the Lord want us to wait for him? You know that we can outrun God, outrun his ways and the things that he has for us. Who of you in your own personal life have sort of like realized you come to a place where you go, where's God? It's like... Where's the Lord? And then you often have to go back to the last time that you heard him. Because God was waiting there. It's not that we've just outrun the Lord in the things that he has for us. Because what is our society nowadays teaching us? Eh? Quick. Microwave mentality. I can have a quick meal. I don't, know, I don't know if it's not so pertinent to us, but who's heard of Amazon. So you can pay a little bit Amazon Prime in America, which is amazing, because then you get your stuff tomorrow, <laughs> instead of three days later, you know? 
And I won't be surprised if that's going to happen in South Africa soon because it's a culture, a thing that's stirred within us that go, the now, quickly, let me get it, let me get it. Who of your kids want to finish school very quickly? Want to, you know, even in your own life, like you've got this thing, I just want to, I just, it's because that's our society. That's what's been cultivated within us. And how do we come and wait on God and go, Lord, show us your ways, staying in step with the Holy Spirit. My prayer often is, Lord, I don't want to lag behind you. Don't want to run ahead of you. I just want to stay in step of what you are doing. Show me every step of the way. Psalm 5 verse 3 says, In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait expectantly. I want to encourage you, in the morning, let God hear your voice. Hear his voice. Put your request in front of him. And then be that dog going, Lord, I wait expectantly for what you have for me. Psalm 27 verse 14 says, Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. I'm going to read one more scripture and then want to wrap this this waiting for the Lord up it says the Lord in Lamentations 3 verse 25 to 26 it says the Lord is good to those who wait for him to the soul who seeks him it is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord isn't that an incredible scripture the Lord is good to those who can you feel just that happening in your heart when you read that just that I don't have to chase things I don't have to run after things. I don't have to make things happen. Why? Because I wait on God. If God says, cool, get up, go do this, take hold of that, it's in Him. It's in Him. Those who wait on the Lord will inherit the land. Slow things down in your own life. Wait on God. Psalm 37, verse 7, we, it's part of Psalm 37, we, we read this, and it says, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. The story of just before the Israelites went over, over the Red Sea, they got to the Red Sea, the Egyptians are chasing them, they are right there, they are, you know, they were freaking out. Do you know that the Egyptians at that, ah, oh, the Egyptians, the Israelites at that point were freaking out just before they crossed the Red Sea? And this is what Moses says to them in Exodus 13, uh, 14, verse 13 and 14. I just want to say, and Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. Isn't that incredible? Like, just stand firm, just wait, just see. For the Egyptians who you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you only have to be silent. Isn't that incredible? God's a God that fights for us. If we wait and just be still and know that he is God, wait expectantly, quietly waiting for the Lord. And if we are people that wait for the Lord and not run ahead to the things that he, that he has for our own lives and here, but trust and follow him, we will inherit the land that God has for us. Okay. Okay.
quickly go on. What does a people group look like that inherit the, the land? Second one, <clears throat> Psalm, um, oh wait, I can't leave this scripture out. Isaiah 64, I just want to close this thing with him. How incredible is this? Isaiah 64 verse 4, it says, Since ancient time, no one has heard and no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. Hey, God acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You know, this morning we prayed for a whole bunch of people, trusting God for things, going through things, expecting certain things. You want God to act on your behalf? Just wait. Just wait. Just wait. Patiently waiting for him. God will act on your behalf. Okay. Psalm 37 verse 11. It says, but the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundance of peace. So that's another, I don't, want, I don't think it's a personality quote, but another you know, who we are to inherit the land, the meek. Who's heard of the word meek? Okay, who knows what it means? <laughs> who knows what meek? I was like, I've heard it, but like, what does it mean? Like, you sort of know it's gentleness and it's, you know, but uh, the Oxford Dictionary says that meekness is quiet, gentle, easily imposed on, submissive, yielding, and overly compliant. Who wants to be meek? It's quite a, it's, yeah, you want to because like, but, but the, the definition of meekness goes against everything that's been taught in society today. You've got to fight. You've got to stand up for your rights. You've got to, meekness is this, like the posture of meekness is this, is moving back, making space for someone else, Letting someone else be more valuable than what you are. Being quiet. Surrendering. Easily imposed on. I don't want to be easily imposed on. That's like negative in the king, you know. But the, the heart is, it's not about me. And you know, this is the only time, you know that phrase, inherit the land, where it's mentioned in the New Testament, is in Matthew 5 verse 5, where Jesus says, the meek shall inherit the land. Jesus said it. How do we, as being meek, and inherit the land? Wikipedia says this. It's an attribute of human nature and behavior that has been defined as an amalgamation of righteousness, inner humility, and patience. An attitude or a quality of heart whereby a person is willing to accept and submit without resistance to the will and desire of someone else. And in the case of Christians, it's God and his ways. That's being meek. Accepting, desiring the will of someone else over your life. Meekness is a controlled strength that puts everything in the hands of God. It's founded on a trust of the Lord and it always denies itself. Have you read that scripture? Come, follow me, Jesus said. Deny yourself. Put down everything that you have. Pick up your cross and follow me. That's part of meekness, denying yourself. It's not about me. It's not about what I want. 
It grows alongside humility and wisdom in that it seeks other persons' interests at the expense of its own. And it's pure, it's peaceable, it's gentle, and it's open to reason. Credible, eh? Meekness. Meekness. Jesus said, I'm not going to read the full scripture, but Jesus said in, uh, where's that? Matthew. Matthew 11, verse 21. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you, my burdens, for I am meek and humble, and my burden is light and easy to bear, if I remember the scripture correctly. And that's, that's who we become like, Jesus. Now, meekness is not weakness. Meekness is not weakness. It's not, a, it's not a thing of like, when I'm meek, I can just get trampled over and walked over and all of that. That's not what meekness is. Meekness is this inner strength, knowing and trusting and relying on God that he has got everything in the palm of his hand. But it's the position that I want you guys to realize of meekness. You know that, have you ever met someone and when you start talking to them, they're Their posture. You know what posture is? You know, it's not what a posture is. You know, if you meet someone, like their posture is one of like, okay, I'm going to meet you. I'm going to fight you. Eh? Or there's some people that just, you meet them and they're like, hey, it's so nice being around you. It's so easy to be around you. Has that happened to you? Eh? Have you met someone that's just a closed book? Their posture is like this. Don't come close to me. And meekness, the posture of meekness is one with open arms and just saying, I'm yours. You know, in a marriage, it's such a beautiful thing where a husband and a wife, like husbands, you know, be meek towards your wives. And wives at the same time, you know, they are submissive and meek. And if you do that, the picture of just how that marriage can grow into the more of the Lord wants for them. So the meek will inherit the land. And I think for us as Melkbos here, that's one thing we've got to fight in this little town because the posture here is go get. I want. How can we become comfortable? And we're fighting this thing of, of the, all the time gathering things for us. And if we come in the posture of, hey, how do we serve this community? How do we be people that are here to love on people and, and not get walked over, but saying, Lord, build your kingdom here. And how do we serve one another? People will look at us and go, what's different about them? And inherit the land. Okay, I want to move on quickly. Um, oh, so Numbers 12, verse 1 to 4. So I want to read this quickly. So this is a story of um, Miriam and Aaron, where they come to Moses. Moses, um, at that time, God's using him mightily. And Miriam and Aaron started getting miffed with Moses. You know, you know what the word miffed is? They got like upset with him because actually God's using Moses more than he's using Miriam and Aaron. So they are like, they're like, but we also prophets. Is it only Moses? And they come to, against Moses and they say to Moses, um, so they're trying to get an excuse. They're going, Moses, you married this Cushite woman, which has actually got nothing to do with what's going on in their hearts. But then they say, they say to Moses, because of the Cushite woman who he married, for he had married a Cushite woman. And they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it. 
Now Moses, the man Moses, was very meek, more than all the people who were on the face of the earth. Okay, so Moses wrote that, so, you know, so it's, it is, but it's, it's under the influence and the unction of the Holy Spirit, so don't hold it against him, be careful. Moses was more meek than anybody, what does it say? Very meek, more than all the people who are on the face of the earth. So you see this picture of a brother and sister coming against and saying, who's Moses? You can see the posture. You see what I mean? What does Moses do in this moment? You know that Moses doesn't say anything. Moses is, and I, if I can imagine, I think Moses realized what's happening. And he just went like, okay, wait, wait, wait. This is, this is a holy moment. And look what happens straight after that. And suddenly the Lord said to Moses and to Aaron and Miriam, come out you three to the tent of meeting. And the three came out to meet him. Suddenly God stepped in. You know that meekness attracts the presence of God. And God will fight for you if that is your posture. The meekest person on the face of the earth, God steps in and says, who are you to say what? And if you read what happened there, at the end Moses prays for Miriam that she doesn't die because the Lord instantly gave her leprosy. It was, it's pretty hectic. I read the rest of the story. But meekness is one of those attributes, who we are as a people, our posture, coming, Lord, this is the type of people we want to be to inherit the land that you have given us. Okay. Um, let's move on. Running out of time here. Okay. I did this way quicker last time I did it, but okay. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to end with this one. We can carry on another time. We can look at this. I want to quickly look at those that inherit the land. The Bible says blessed by the Lord. Those that are blessed by the Lord will inherit the land in Psalm 37 verse 22. And what does it mean to be blessed by the Lord? You know, that word blessed, it's the word in Hebrew. It means barak, which means fully satisfied. And it it basically receives... It means to receive the favor of God. You know, if you've got the favor of God on your life. So I often pray for that. Lord, can I just have your favor? Just that I can walk in your favor in everything that we do. But what attracts the blessing of God over your life? Those blessed by the Lord will inherit the land. But how do we be blessed by God? Is blessed just this, in this financial blessing? What attracts God's blessing, God's favor over your life? And the Bible actually speaks of four things that attracts the blessing of God. That God goes, that I love. I'm going to pour my blessing out there. The first is unity. The second is trusting the Lord. The third is obeying God. And the fourth is being blameless. So I'm going to run through the unity one quickly. And we know the scripture. Psalm 133. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. And then right at the end, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. You know, God commands a blessing when we live in unity. I spoke about it earlier. I said, you know, like that's why God wants us to be one. It's, we are one as one person. They're united. Our hearts are united. Unity isn't this thing of just standing in a circle singing Kumbaya, my Lord. It's really being like our hearts are one. There's nothing against Anybody here in my heart, we are, there's forgiveness, there's oneness, you know? 
And that's where the Lord says, there I throw out my blessing. There I, want my, I command my blessing to flow. Um, in um, Ephesians 4 verse 3 says, make every effort to, keep the un- u- the, to fight for the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. We've got to fight for that. And I want to encourage you guys. Unity is one of the key things that we can attract God's blessing. And we want the blessing, not because we feel good about it, but because if we are blessed by God, his favors on us, and we inherit the land in our lives and where God has placed us. Secondly, I want to get to two that's really important. Um, The second one is trust. Jeremiah 17, verse 7 to 8 says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. And not just trust in the Lord, but whose trust is the Lord. Isn't that incredible? Is God your trust? Not just trust in the Lord. I can trust in this chair that it's, it's going to keep me. When I sit down, it's like faith. I trust it. It's going to hold my weight. But is my trust in that chair? No, obviously not. But trust in God. God is my trust. Like God is love, God is my trust. Everything. It's like I trust him. And if we, if we trust God and stand on his word, not running ahead, waiting on him, this is where the waiting part comes in again. Trusting God, you've got this. I don't know how it's going to work out. I don't know when it's going to work out. But you are my trust. You'll inherit the land. Move forward. Possess. Take things that God has for you. We know Proverbs 3, verse 5 to 10. It's one of my favorite scriptures, and I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Who of you can recite that, that scripture? Eh? I think it's one of those scriptures that as a kid you learn from a young age. One of my, I remember as a, as a kid growing up in the church, that's always been one of my trust in the Lord with don't lean on your own understanding. Our own understanding, you know what the Bible says about our hearts? It's wicked and deceitful above anything else. Wicked and deceitful. If you lean on that, you start moving away. But if you trust in the Lord with all your heart, he becomes your trust. God pours out his blessing over your life. And those blessed by the Lord will inherit the land. The, fourth, the third thing, and this is just the two I want to end off with quickly. The third thing is obedience. Jesus said in Luke 11, verse 28, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. So James made a a joke this morning about, who heard Mike's preach last week and who's applied it to their lives? Who's obeyed the word of God? And Ivan luckily stood up and said, I did, you know, so, so, yeah. But we can hear God's word. We can hear God's word Sunday, Wednesdays, podcasts, whatever. But are you obeying God's word? Are you applying it to your life? Are you taking those moments, like Marley said, where the conviction of the Holy Spirit comes into your heart? God, I need to change something. I need to change something. If I don't obey you here... You know what you're basically saying? You're saying no to God. Because obedience is better than any sacrifice you can do, the Bible says. If you are at a place stuck with the Lord, 
I often go, Lord, what is the last thing you asked me to do? And I haven't done it yet. If you stuck with the Lord, go back to the last thing he asked you to do and do that. What did he ask you to do? Because it's a personal relationship with him. Sometimes it's hard. He's asked you to forgive someone. Forgive someone. He's asked you to bless someone with financially. Bless them. He asked you to give a word to someone. Give a word to someone. Trust him. Obey him. Obedience pours out the blessing of God over your life. James 1 verse 21 and 22 says, Receive with meekness the implanted... Okay, therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant uh, wickedness and receive with meekness. The word meekness again. Receive with meekness your posture, the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But... Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. If God's asked you to do something and you don't do it, you start deceiving yourself. Obedience. And obedience will attract the blessing of God. And if you're blessed by the Lord, you'll inherit the land. So it's not a formula. I don't want it to make out that you're a formula. But if you obey God, that's what's going to happen. Okay. I've seen a time and time in my life where the Lord has asked me to obey him, do something that doesn't make sense, that's just hard. And as I did it, I don't, know if, I don't have time to tell a story. I wanted to tell a cool story, but I'll tell it again another time. The last one I want to look at, and I want to wrap up um, with this, is blameless. The word blameless. Blessed are those who are blameless. In Psalm 119, verse 1 to 3, it says, blessed are those who are blameless. And then it says, those who are blameless, this is what, who they are and what they, what they, um, how they live their lives. It says, they who walk in the law of the Lord, blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who do all, who all do no wrong, but walk in God's ways. This word blameless, firstly, you've got to realize, in myself and in yourself, we can't be, we're not blameless. I mean, like we know that. We know as, as we were born sinners on our way to hell, we are not blameless in front of our God. But Jesus, who died on the cross for us, gave his only son for us, makes us blameless in front of him. And in that moment, as we receive his salvation and we receive his lordship, we become children of God. But from that moment on, we can keep on walking blamelessly in front of him. And that is the key that attracts the blessing of God. Not in our own strength, because we can't do it in any case. It's a gift. Salvation is a gift. Becoming blameless is a gift. But from that moment on, as we obey him, as we trust him, as we seek him and wait for him, we become blameless and our walk is blameless in front of the Lord. Blameless means innocent, guiltless, above reproach, beyond criticism, faultless, perfect, pure, moral, upright, sinless, spotless, and I love this one, squeaky clean, Squeaky clean, you know? Is your life squeaky clean? 
blameless in front of the Lord. Our walk is blameless in front of him. And we know what is Jesus coming back for? A bride that is pure and spotless, blameless in front of him. Psalm 84 verse 11 says, For the Lord is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. And that's the thing. If your walk is blameless in front of him, if you're going, Lord, I want to follow you. I don't want to sin, Lord. I want to be holy as you are holy. I want to live a life pure and undefiled in front of you. I want my walk to be blameless. Holy Spirit, when I meet you in the morning, my request is, can I be blameless in front of you, God? And if we live like that, what's going to happen? Our walk will be blameless in front of him, and his blessing will be poured out. And before you know it, you've inherited the land that God has for you, in your own life and in the lives around you. Amen? There was more, but we've run out of time. I do have a sense, and God, God is here this morning. God has been here since, since we've started. It's been incredible coming back. And I've got a sense this morning, God wants to, to just, for some of us in our hearts, just give us an opportunity to respond to him. And I don't want to take long, but I do want to give us an opportunity. And, and um, Jane, can you, are you all right to play guitar? Are you all right? Okay. Not, not guitar. <laughs> Mike went. I did say a lot. But the heart this morning is God has called us as mouthfuls to inherit this land, to take possession of what he has given us as mouthfuls. It's not by chance you live here. It's not by chance we are here for this time, for this season. And God has got a job for us to do, to inherit the land of mouthfuls, to inherit the land around in our streets, to reach out to many. But more than that, he wants us to in- inherit the land of our own hearts. He wants you to be blameless. He wants you to trust him. He wants you to live in freedom and and everything that he has for you. He wants you to be blessed, to have his favor on your life. And this morning, I just, I want to give us an opportunity. I've said a couple of things and as I was saying, I, I could feel God just prompting our hearts. And I want to encourage you, that thing about being obedient, be obedient, be quick to obey. And it might even be now. So I want to ask, can we close our eyes, all the eyes just closed, and just as, as God is in this place, since, this, since even in during worship, we've prayed for many. But maybe this morning as you've been listening, and just, I don't know if you're visiting or you've been here a couple of times, but you're just going, oh, that's not my life. I, I don't wait on God. I don't... I don't feel I've got the blessing of God. I've been sort of trying to figure this life out on my own. I've been living my life the way I want and what I think is maybe best. I actually don't even know if I die today, if I'm a Christian, if I go to heaven. Because that's ultimately what it's, what's the most important. Our greatest inheritance is the kingdom of God going into eternity with him. That is our greatest inheritance. And this morning, is, is, are you sure that your inheritance is heaven and not hell. Maybe as you're listening, you're going, Lord, I don't even know. I can't, 
I can't agree with everything Barhan said this morning because I don't even know if, if you're fully the Savior and the Lord of my life. And I want to give you an opportunity this morning. The Bible says that Jesus came just at the right time. While we were sinners, while we were enemies of God, he came and died on the cross for our sins, taking every single thing, everything, everything upon him, every sin, everything upon him, so that we don't have to stand in judgment in front of God one day. And this morning can be your first step of going, God, I want to give you my life. I want you to become the Savior. I want you to save me. Take me out of this life that I'm trying to live on my own, that I can live for you and follow you and start taking possession of the land that you have given me, Lord. If that's you this morning, I want to give you an opportunity in a couple of seconds. And I, and I want to say, this is you. If, 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 your, if your palms are sweaty and your heart's beating and you're going... You know, that feeling of just like, oh my goodness, Lord, what is going on in my heart? God's busy knocking at your door and just saying, come, come, come as you are. You don't have to have your life perfect. You don't have to have anything in place because God meets us where we are right now. And it's not an embarrassing thing. Many of us in this room have stood up, have standed and lifted our hands and said, God, we give you our lives because you are everything. And if you've never done that, or you might have done it in the past, but you've drifted like I've drifted in the past, God this morning is calling you back, calling you into a relationship with Him. If that's you, don't you want to just lift your hand? Guys are praying. Thank you for that hand. Thank you for that hand. Is there anybody else? It's a holy moment. The Bible says angels stop and look and trust and say, God, come, one more, Lord, because our fight is not against flesh and blood. It's against the principalities, and there's people praying at the moment. Is there anybody else? Awesome. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Isn't that amazing? Yes. Amen. We can. Yes. The Bible says angels rejoice at one sinner turning to the Lord. And then for us, Malpos, beloved of the Lord. I want us maybe just examine our own hearts. If you've been running ahead of God, if you've been saying no, are you your life been like in turmoil a bit and you're going like Lord okay I want to trust you maybe there's some things that I that I said today that the Lord convicted you of that what when was the last time the Lord spoke to you and you didn't obey him or you might have said no to him or you might have not done what he wanted you to do your posture is maybe one of always you realize you go I'm that guy I'm the guy that always wants to fight why do I always want to fight you know 
Lord, help me to be more meek. Help me to be gentle. Help me to trust you, Lord. Help me to obey you. Help me to walk blamelessly in front of you. Because God has got an inheritance for us, our inheritance in the saints, to take a hold of what he's got for us. And if that's you this morning, just as Malcolm said, if God spoke to you, just respond to him. Just respond to him. It might mean that you stand or if you want to come to the front, but just you do business with God. You've got a relationship with the Lord. Just want to give a moment. You can just make right. If there's someone you need to make right with here in church, do that. Go. Let's do that. Let's close our eyes. We don't have to, it doesn't have to be long. We're going to leave in a couple of minutes. But I just want to give us this opportunity just to stand in front of him. us this year. You say, God, oh, hold on. God, let's not rush. If you've responded to any of those, if you've said to the Lord, God, I need to be more meek, Lord. I want you to work meekness within the fiber of my being, Lord. I want to be obedient in everything that you have for me, God. I want to run in step with you, Holy Spirit. I want to wait on you, God. I want to be blameless. I want to be pure and undefiled, Lord Jesus. I want to be someone that your blessing is poured over, God. Can you stand? Even that phrase that I threw out where I said, Lord, I love you, but I want nothing to do with your church. If you need to respond to that and say, God, I might have had that in my heart. Church, people hurt me. I want to encourage you, if that's you, please come chat to me. Please come chat to me. For us that are standing, and if you're going, Lord, we want to possess the land that you've given us in our own lives and in this, this town called Malkbos, God, we want to run for you this year. Can we raise our hands and just almost as a sign of surrender, just commit our lives again to the Lord and 
Father, just as a family today, God, we stand in front of you, Lord. We stand in front of you, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the, the lover of our souls, our Savior and our Lord, the one that we want to obey in everything, God. I want to pray, Lord, that we will be a people that will attract your favor, Lord, that will attract your presence, God. We want to be those like Moses, God. We don't want to take one step forward unless you come with us and you go ahead of us, Lord Jesus. Father, this morning, God, as we have just made right with you, God, I pray that each and every one of us, God, that our lives will shine for you, God. Lord, that our ways will be pure and holy before you, Lord, and help us to possess and take hold of that what you have taken hold of us for, Lord. That when we look back at this year, God, we will say, look at what God has done in our lives and in the lives around us, Lord. For our inheritance are here in the saints, God, together. Father, we love you. We adore you. You are everything to us, Lord. In Jesus' name.